Good morning, Grace. Good to see everybody here this morning. Um, just before we get started, uh, just a couple more announcements. Uh, not next weekend, but the next, on October 19th. Some of you have been waiting all year for this, but it's our annual live zombie run at Obi River Park. And if you don't know what that is, if you're unfamiliar with what our zombie run is, it's basically where you can either be a zombie and chase people, which is very, very fun, or you can sign up and run in the 5K. So it's a win-win situation for everyone. So if you like to run or if you just like to get out and walk and jog and uh, power walk away from a zombie, then this is for you. Um, we're, our zombies are harmless, by the way. Our zombies are harmless, except Shorty. He's a little scary. He's our, he's our MVP of zombies. But that is a lot of fun. So if you guys would like to sign up for that, uh, the registration for that is $25. And again, all the proceeds go to our youth group. So we would love to have you there. We'd, we'd love to have volunteers to be zombies. We uh, put all the garb on and uh, put makeup on you and make you look really cool. But if you need more information on that, you can see Jeff or Jessica Evans uh, or the uh, Facebook page uh, for the Live Zombie Run. Also... Coming up on October 20th, the GCC Serve Group, which is headed up by Kenitha Wattenbarger and Brooke Hamby, we're going to be going to Autumn Acres. So that's going to be a family night at Autumn Acres on October 20th from 3 to 6. So we're going to have a fire pit, we're going to roast hot dogs and marshmallows, hang out with church family, just fellowship. Um, and the ladies will be handing out discount cards that morning during church and after church and before church. So if you want a discount card, you have to be here for that service. So a little bribery never hurts anyone. All right, so be here for that. Again, that's going to be a lot of fun at, at Automakers. So if you'd like more announcements, there's more out there, out there on the TV. And if you'd like more information about anything else, it's out there. We do have papers that you can take with you. Those of you who don't know me, if this is your first time at Grace, my name is Sam Ferris, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Grace. I'm also a youth leader and volunteer, and, uh, but it's just it's, uh, great to be up here. I've enjoyed this series that we've been talking about, uh, the stories of Jesus, the, the parables, and telling them in chronological order has just been amazing. It's opened my eyes in so many different ways on how to read and interpret and, and, and apply these parables to our life. And today, we're going to be talking about the generosity of grace. The generosity of grace. And when I read this, I, the first time I read this a while back, I'm pretty familiar with the parable, but I kind of just read over it and thought, well, yeah, the last will be first, first will be last. I really didn't really grasp what... The Lord is trying to tell me on this one. And basically it boils down to His grace. It's all about His grace. So before we get into the message, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, just uh, we thank You for everything that You do. We, Lord, we thank You for what You did on the cross for us. We thank You for Your gift of grace. Lord, if there's anyone here today that has not experienced your grace, has not been offered your grace. Lord, I just pray that today is the day that they receive you and that they learn and that they feel your presence. 
Lord, just speak through me today. Lord, just speak to our hearts and speak to our minds. Clear our thoughts. Lord, just speak to us today. Lord, just speak through me. Lord, just we thank you for everything that you do. In your name we pray. Amen. So how many of you know that life isn't fair? Raise your hand. Okay, is there anyone here that thinks life is fair? Okay, no one's being honest. So people know, we know, it's a pretty self-explanatory fact. We've all lived it, we've all experienced it, but life is not fair. It just isn't. Life isn't fair. You know, we're little. Some of us are not so little anymore. We still use this phrase, it's not fair, right? It is not a phrase that your mom and daddy had to teach you. No teacher in school had to teach you to say the phrase, it's not fair, right? It's just a learned phrase. I never had to teach Carson how to say that. It's learned automatically from when you're a little lad However old you are now, you do not have to be taught the phrase, it's not fair. There's all different things in our lives that we feel that it's not fair. And it really isn't. We could start with different pay, right? People in here have different jobs. People get paid differently. Some people deserve to get paid more that don't. Some people get paid a lot that shouldn't. And then I don't want to talk a lot about that because then it takes us into politics and I don't want to get there, Right? But sometimes it's not fair, right? And we can grumble and complain about it, but it really doesn't do us any good. But life isn't fair. And we talk about the generosity of grace and how we apply it to our life. It really isn't fair. It really isn't. Like if little Mikey upstairs in Children's Church, little Mikey's a fictional character. We had, well, I don't think we have a Mikey upstairs, but if we did... Little Mikey, he turns his life over to Christ. He receives Christ as his Savior. Isn't it easy for us to say, oh, little Mikey got saved? Isn't it easy for us to to extend some grace to Mikey? Because Mikey's sweet. Yeah, he's a little trouble now and then, but he's sweet. It's easy for us to offer up a little grace to Mikey, right? It's easy for us to understand and say it's fair that God showed grace to little Mikey. He's a good kid, right? But what happens when a crack dealer or a prostitute or any other convict walks through those doors and sits down in our congregation or any congregation? Are we so quick to offer grace? Would most of us have a problem with offering grace to that person? Little Mikey, he... He deserves it because he's a sweet little kid. But this guy over here, he doesn't deserve it because of the things he's done. That person gives his life to Christ. Does he or she not deserve the grace of God just like Mikey? Kind of harder for us to accept that, isn't it? Because, see, we understand fairness. We understand justice. We get that. You do something wrong, usually you get punished for it. We understand that. You work hard, you get more, usually. That's fair. We understand that. But God's grace is some of those things that we really don't understand. We can understand giving Mikey some grace, and we can understand God giving Mikey grace, but not someone that we feel doesn't deserve it. All right? 
Some of us may think that it isn't fair. It isn't fair. But isn't the grace of God still beautiful? Even when they think, even when we think they might not deserve it? Of course it is. It's a beautiful thing. So God's love and His grace is for everyone. He loves everyone, even the ones that we think are unlovable. Even the ones that we think do not deserve God's grace. Even the ones that have made a lot more mistakes than you have. Even the ones that may have come in at the last minute and turned their life over to Christ. They don't deserve it. That's the way we feel sometimes. They're not worthy. They've not put in the work like we have. They've not put in the work. But maybe we don't think it's fair. Why did they deserve God's grace? Let me ask you guys a question this morning. What if life was fair? What if life was fair? What if we really did get what we deserve? What if we really did get what we deserve? And that's basically what we're going to dive into today. Is basically getting what we deserve. What's fair? See, this story is a picture of something beautiful. I never really understood it until preparing for this message. See, this is a, the, the scripture we're going to get into today. This parable is a horrible way to run a business. Horrible business model. A lot of stuff that's not fair about this parable. But it's an excellent, beautiful way to describe the kingdom of God describing eternity and how to deal with that. And this morning I see three things about the beauty of grace. The first one is grace is a gift from God. It's a gift. You either accept it or you don't. It's a gift. And that grace that He gives us, it teaches us. Right? When we apply God's grace to our lives... It teaches us. It helps us grow. When we show grace to others, when other people might not think that they deserve to be shown grace, it helps us grow. When we apply it to our lives, that, it's a gift. But the thing is, His grace is calling you. His grace is calling you to do something. So let's dive into the parable. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 20, this is verse 1 through 7. If you don't have your Bibles, it's on the Sky Bible. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage, which was a denarius, and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So he, they went to work in the vineyard. At noon... And again, at 3 o'clock, he did the same thing. At 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. And he asked them, why haven't you been working today? Why haven't you been working? They replied, because no one's hired us. The landowner told them, go out and join the others in my vineyard. So in this parable, we get just a little bit of glimpse into the kingdom of heaven and his grace. So this landowner obviously had a big farm, right? He had a lot of land. And obviously he was growing grapes. And so these grapes were going to ruin if they did not get harvested in time. So he was desperate. 
He needed workers. So he went out to the, to the courtyard. He went to the marketplace. And it's kind of like a, a, a farm truck pulling up and a bunch of guys jumping in the back of it and going to, going to work. I don't know if you've ever seen that before in other countries. They do a lot of that. Truck pulls up. Guys just jump in. They go to work. Some of them don't even know what they're doing that day. They just jump in. They need work because they are dependent on someone else for their wealth. They can't just sit around and not do anything. They're not rich. So this landowner has a crop that needs to be harvested. So this is probably late September, early October, just like what we have now. It was time to harvest. See, this is no ordinary beet farm that we're talking about either, right? I mean, like beets. They were harvesting grapes to make wine and delicious jams and jellies, right? This is grapes, something valuable. Because this is significant because wine was a, a long, intentional process, right? It was intentional to get from grape to wine. It took a long time. But see, that process, what's cool about it, is it usually led to some kind of celebration, like a wedding or a birth, a party, right? A party that is designed for us. It leads to a celebration. So this was valuable to him. If it was lost, the crop was lost then the harvest would be lost. There's no party, no celebration. There's an urgency in the landowner's voice. There's an urgency in his intentions of harvesting these grapes. He needs workers. And so he agrees to pay each worker a denarius, which is one day's wage, and it's usually what a Roman soldier got. So this was really generous. So like I said before, these guys were not rich. These guys sitting around the marketplace they depended on someone else to come give them work to live on. They needed the landowner. The landowner needed them. They were dependent on the landowner to survive. And see, if we look and really dive in to these workers, the ones that were called at six, the ones that he went back out in three hours and got more, and then at noon got more, and then went out again at five and got more, we are one of those group of workers. Maybe you're in this first group that went out at six. Maybe you guys can relate about this. Maybe you guys are like Mikey when he gave his life to Christ at a young age and served, and you served God your entire life. You've worked in the vineyard your entire life. You followed Jesus your entire life. You can relate to that. But the landowner's seeing that even though these guys are working hard and they started early in the morning, the work is not getting done. There's too many grapes for too many workers, right? So he goes out and hires more. He hires more. He needs more workers. He keeps going back every three hours and getting a new shift so they can finish the harvest. And these middle guys, these ones that went in at 12 and at 3, that's most of us in here. Most of us can relate to these guys. They were the ones that may came to the party just a little bit late, right? You've made some mistakes in your early life. You strayed from God in your teens and your 20s. You did some things you're not proud of. And then you were called to the vineyard. You turn your life over to Christ and you follow him and you go to work just like the ones that were called in the morning. The master keeps calling people to the vineyard. 
So you might have missed the first few calls. You might have missed the first couple of truckloads, right? But He's calling you. His grace is calling you. See, you've either bonded with the workers that got there in the morning, okay? If we're going to apply this to our church life, if you come in just a little bit later, either bond with the ones that have worked their entire lives and, and you've been made feel like you're a part of something special. You've made feel that you matter, that your work at the half of the day is just as important as the work in the beginning of the morning. But some of you may have been made to feel that you were left behind, that you were less important than the people who have been serving God their entire lives. Just because you were a little bit later. You're doing the same work. You just came in just a little bit later. The landowner hired you just a little bit later. And some people may turn their back on you because you're not good enough. And shame on us if that's happened to you. Maybe you don't feel that you deserve the same amount as the early workers did. Just because you were called late. But see, the thing is that God has a purpose for His workers. He has a purpose. Whether you come early in the morning or where you come in at noon, He needs workers. Then you may be this group on the 11th hour at 5 o'clock, the end of the workday. There's one last group to be hired. Why haven't you been hired? Well, no one picked us. See, this is like a backyard football game, right? When you're standing around waiting to be picked, I want you, I want you, I want you, and then you have, there's always one kid picked last, right? Always one kid picked last. We're going to see that the last will be first and the first will be last. We're going to see that. See, maybe you've been, you're here today and you've been sitting around the marketplace your entire life. You've missed calling after calling after calling. Maybe you're waiting for the master to hire you. Maybe you are in a time of your life where you feel purposeless, that you're not never going to be good enough, that you're never going to be good enough to work in, in the Lord's vineyard. But the master says, I'm here to hire you. I'm here to put you to work. You are not purposeless. You have a purpose. And you are my servant. Roll up your sleeves and get to work. Get in my field and work. But if this is you today, and you feel that there's no way you could deserve God's grace, the same as any other workers, I'm going to tell you, it's a gift. The same grace He offers the ones that come in at 6, the same grace He offers the ones that come in at 12, and the ones that come in at the 11th hour at the last minute. It's grace. And it's a gift. And His grace is calling you. Go to work. Get in the truck. Let's go. But here's what makes grace so amazing. See, grace is not earned. See, these workers in this parable, they were hired to do a job. They were hired, they worked, not because they were just wanting to volunteer their time. They were working to get paid, right? They were working to get paid. So at the end of the day, after the long, hard work day, Lantern says, okay, call everyone in. Line everyone up. 
and let's pay these guys so they can go on about their way. And see, this was normal at the time, is for at the end of the day, all the workers to line up to get paid. And usually, you would see the guys that started first, they've been there the longest, would get paid first. And see, this is what the Pharisees have been teaching all along. The more you do, the more you work, the more you do for God, the more scripture you memorize, the better works that you have, the better off you're going to be, the more you're going to be rewarded for that. And see, Jesus turns this completely upside down on the Pharisees. So you can imagine sitting there listening to Jesus tell this parable. It goes against everything that they've been teaching everyone else. Verses 8 through 12. That evening he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed that they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. So here it is. He lines them up. He's paying the 11th hour guys first. They came in there late. These guys are all fresh. They're all energetic. They've not even broken a sweat yet. They're, probably, they're not tired. They're probably whistling. and it's, They're probably aggravating all the workers that's been there all day, right? Because they've got so much energy. Their armpits aren't even stained with sweat, right? They're not even dirty, right? So you can imagine... You can imagine these workers, especially the guys in the middle and, and the ones that came in at six. If these guys that work for one hour are getting paid a full day's wage, man, they're already they start, they're seeing dollar signs. They're already calculating it, right? Man, one denarius, two denarius, right? So you get a denarius, and you get a denarius, and you get a denarius, and they're like, yes, this this landowner is so generous. I can't, I don't even want, I can't even calculate how much he's going to give me, right? They, were, they probably already had it spent, right? So he starts on the line, you get a denarius. You get a denarius. You get a denarius. So you, we can imagine their excitement. Man, we're going to get so much more. We're going to get so much more. To their disappointment, they get paid the same. One denarius. They work 12 hours for the same wage that one person worked one hour for. That isn't fair. It isn't fair. If that's a business model, if, if this is you and you're in your job and you've worked a 12-hour shift and you get paid the same as someone that paid, got paid the same for an hour, you're mad. You're going to your union worker, right? Because there's always someone like this guy in the parable going to the landowner and saying, look, this is not fair. We worked all day. Our backs are burnt. Our, we are sweaty. We are dirty. Our hands hurt. We deserve more. You pay these guys at work for an hour. The same. It is not fair. It is not fair. See, these early workers, they begin to grumble and complain. That isn't fair. It isn't fair. We've been out in the hot sun all day. They didn't even break a sweat. It sounds like another story. Older brother 
stays home, works hard all day on the sun, doing the things that the father wants him to do, doing all the things he's supposed to do. Younger son goes off, spends everything. Younger son comes back home, gets everything back. Older son grumbles again, right? Kind of familiar, isn't it? Let's be honest. Maybe they had a reason to complain. See, these late workers, they did very little work. And what work they did accomplish was done in the best part of the day, right? They didn't have to deal with the morning humidity. They didn't have to deal with the hot afternoon sun. They come in there at 5 o'clock when the sun was going down and it was breezy. They're all happy. They were just happy they were going to get to eat that day. They were going to get paid enough to have a meal for their family. So they were happy that they even got picked to work. But yet they got paid a full day's wage. Some of us would be like, what, that, that's grace? Sign me up for the late shift, right? Sign me up for the late shift because I'm going to get paid the same as the guy that come in here that doesn't even know where the time card goes in, right? He doesn't even know where the time clock is. I want, I want that. If we're honest, see, but grace is not based on the work that we've done. It's not based on how wonderful you think you are. It's not based on how many hours you put in at the church. It's not about how many grapes you picked over your lifetime in the vineyard. It's not about your church service resume. Grace cannot be earned. You received the gift of grace. Jesus is showing the workers that came in at noon and at three and at five. He's showing them grace. He didn't leave the first workers out. It might not seem fair to them at the time. But he blessed the first ones just the same as he did the last ones. You can receive that gift of grace today. See, this grace is based on complete and unmerited favor. Nothing you can do could earn this grace. See, we don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve to spend eternity with Him. We don't deserve the mansion that He's preparing for us. We don't deserve any of that. Right? You want fair? You want life to be fair? You want to be able to get everything that you deserve? How about spending eternity away from Him? That's what we deserve. That is what's fair. So we really want life to be fair? We really want to get what we deserve? I don't think we do. See, what Jesus did on the cross, He did for the early worker that's worked their entire lives, that started at an early age in children's church and devoted his entire or her entire life to the ministry. He puts his grace on them the same as a person that comes in late at the 11th hour, at the very last minute, and turns their life over to Christ. He gives them that same grace. There's no difference. That's hard for us to swallow because that's not fair. That's not fair. But what Jesus did on the cross, he did for the early worker, he did it for the late worker, and everyone in the middle. Right? We see this in John the Baptist. Right? John the Baptist was blessed from the womb. He lived his entire life preaching the message of the coming Savior, the coming of Christ. 
He's coming. He's coming. His entire life. And then his head was cut off for it. Right? He was beheaded. That guy, he's in the kingdom for sure, right? He's in heaven for sure. He's got a new head. Put his head back on. But he's in heaven. But then when Jesus was hanging on the cross and the thief was beside him. Right? This thief hung there next to him. He simply, humbly asked him, Lord, remember me. Remember me. And what did he tell him? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Today. But he humbly, remember me. He didn't say, whoa, whoa, Paco, hang on a minute. You got to hang loose, right? Because you have not put in the work. You can't just, you can't just ask me for it. Right? You, you've, not, you've not put in a full day's wage yet. You've not been like my disciples. You've not been like my followers who put in the work in the vineyard. You did not earn it. No. That's the opposite of what he's saying. Today you will be with me. The thief on the cross was the guy in the 11th hour. He's the one that came in the door at 5 o'clock. Shows him grace. The same grace that he showed John the Baptist showed the thief on the cross. He didn't say, whoa, you got to wait a few years. you got to put in your time. you got to put in your dues. You didn't teach enough Sunday school classes, right? You didn't, you didn't do this. You didn't start enough ministries. You didn't serve enough coffee to people. You didn't shake enough hands. No, today you will be with me. Today you will be with me. See, if you don't take anything else away from today, take this away, okay? Remember this one. So the gospel of grace is that John the Baptist and the thief on the cross are now in the same place. They're in the same place. The people that have worked their entire lives for the kingdom of God, the ones that devote their entire lives to the ministry, are in the same place as the guy or the girl that comes in at the 11th hour and made mistakes their entire life they haven't done a thing for the ministry. And they turn their life over to Christ and they receive the same grace. They're in the same place. It is not fair, or is it? See, it's hard for us to swallow that. It's hard. Because we understand justice, right? But this grace thing, it, it's a confusing. It's confusing. Kind of like Dennis last week. I don't know. It's hard for me to think that there's people... That have done these horrendous things, but yet they turn their life over to Christ and He shows them grace. And here I am, I think I'm the early worker or the midday worker, and I've done all this stuff, so I deserve more than they do. They're in the same place. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. The grace is not earned, and we definitely don't deserve it we don't deserve it we don't deserve it but see there's good news to this there's good news to this is that grace is generous grace is generous god is generous with his grace and his blessings and he's more than fair he's more than fair because none of us in here, regardless of our time spent, whether we're the 6 a.m. worker or the 11 p.m. worker, whatever that is, it's the same. 
It's more than fair. Whether you've worked all day and you've bent your back backwards and your hands are worked to the core and you've been beaten and you've been drugged down. You've been fighting the fight. And then the same person that hasn't done a thing for the kingdom of God at the 11th hour, at the 5 o'clock shift, comes in and does just a little bit of work, just does a little bit, and asks great God to come into your life, gets the same grace that you get. It's more than fair, though. It's kind of, is it fair? Is it not fair? Well, in our earthly minds, it's not fair. This business model, it's not fair. But see, God's telling you, this, this is not your world. It's mine. It's my kingdom. And it's more than fair. Verses 13 through 16. He answered one of them, Friend, I haven't been... A, see, isn't that, isn't that amazing? Jesus could have come back with something totally different. But this grumbling land, this grumbling worker, right? That like, I, don't want, I don't want to tell him, you tell him. You, know, you tell him. So this brave person that goes up to the landowner and says, look, this is not fair. Jesus could have said, you're fired. Get out of my vineyard. You don't get paid anything. But he said, friend, I haven't been unfair. Don't you, didn't you agree to work for the usual day wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want to with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. And that's significant. But I want to go back just a little bit about that word jealous. Because I think that's a, a word and, a, and, a, and a, a thing in our lives that we all have dealt with or dealing with at one point or other is jealousy. This whole it's not fair thing, every time that we utter the words it's not fair, every time a kid utters the word that's not fair, it's because usually they're jealous. It's usually because they're jealous. See, after all the belly aching, after all the whining and complaining, the landowner finally, Jesus, answers the group leader, friend, I have not been unfair. In your little mind, it seems like it's not fair, but I have been fair. Did you not get what you agreed to work for? See, they needed to read their contract a little bit better, right? See, we have to realize that God is God and we are not. And He can do what, with His money and with His grace anything He wants. He can pay what He wants. If He wants to give little Mikey the same as He gives the convict that comes in at the 11 hour, that's His choice. We have to deal with it. We may not think it's fair, but the same grace he gives to little Mikey, he gives to the convict that comes in the door. We are blessed because of it. We are the ones who receive the awesome gift of his love. And he wants us to share that with others. 
He wants us to share that grace with others. See, if God wants us to be generous, we should be. If God himself is generous, we should be. See, this jealousy thing, we cannot be selfish with the grace thing. We cannot be selfish when we are supposed to offer this grace to other people. See, there's absolutely no room for jealousy in the kingdom of God. Zero room. Our call to the vineyard can never be, lead us to places of jealousy. It can never lead us to places of discontent or pride or self-righteousness. Because that's what jealousy gets you. We cannot be like that to the people that come in late. See, it's hard for us when we see others getting blessed. And we really don't think they should be. Right? See, with our own judgment and with our own jealousy, they don't, they don't deserve that. Why didn't, why didn't I get that? See, and when we talk about justice, we talk about that isn't fair, we think that's not fair. They're, they're, they should be less deserving than we are. They should get less than I got. I've been working a lot longer. I've put in the work. They haven't. And we become jealous. Why did, why did they get that? You know, this is, really, this is one I cannot really fathom. I can't understand it. Why do, why do they have so many kids, but yet we can't have a kid? Is it fair? Is it fair? Why don't I have more? I've worked in the vineyard all my life. And I'm not as blessed as this person that come in at the 11th hour. And see, if I can be real for a second, we've all been at that place in our life one point or another. We've all been there. Why? I don't deserve it. See, I've heard it said like this. That jealousy is a poison you swallow hoping the other person dies. Jealousy is a poison you swallow hoping the other person dies. That's powerful. Because the jealousy only harms you. It doesn't harm anyone else. Like I get jealous every time I see a new Corvette drive by. It don't hurt that guy at all. Right? He just smiles and waves, right? It doesn't hurt him at all. It only hurts the person being jealous. It only harms you. Friend, should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? See, when we're jealous, when we're ungrateful, we're forgetting the gospel. We're missing the gospel. We're jealous. We're essentially telling God that He's not doing it right. That He's doing something wrong. Because I'm doing all this work, God, you should be giving me some more blessings. You should be showing me a little bit more grace because I feel like I deserve it more. Not the guy that came in at 5 o'clock. See, we cannot grumble because someone came in later than you. That someone came in that's made more mistakes than you. That someone came in that was a thief, a murderer like Paul. And that they're going to get just as much as you. See, John the Baptist and the thief from the cross are in the same place. If you work all your life for Christ and you have him in your heart, and a guy comes in at the 11th hour 
and on his deathbed or her deathbed and receives Christ and they've not done a thing in the vineyard, his grace is a gift to them. The same denarius that he offers you is the same denarius that he offers the guy that comes in at the 11 hour. To the same workers that come in at 9 o'clock and 12 o'clock, it doesn't, there's no difference. His grace is sufficient for those who have, that have worked their entire lives and it's sufficient for those that have come in at the 11 hour. So you have been pegged today. Whether you come in at 6 a.m. and you worked all your life, whether you come in in the middle of your life, whether you come in late, maybe you're still sitting in the courtyard. Maybe you're still sitting at the marketplace and you've not jumped in the truck yet. His grace is a gift for you. It's the same grace that He gives anyone else. It isn't fair, or is it? So we can't grumble because someone came in later than us. They're going to get just as much. Our reward is the same as their reward. See, we're all going to line, get lined up and we're going to get paid for our work that we've done. We're either going to get accepted and live with Him forever or we're going to be separated from Him forever. There's no more or less. It's either you go with Him or you go without Him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go without Him. And see, when someone that we feel gets what we don't think they deserve, we should embrace that. I think that's what harms so many churches now because the guys that come in there early and they work their entire lives, they think they're more entitled. And then people that come in late, they're either, they feel that they're a part of something special and they're brought in and, and you, they contribute and that they continue the growth of the church. Or then we, we turn them away because we don't think they're good enough. They've not put in the time like we have. Why don't more people stay that come in and visit our churches? Is it because they don't feel like they've been putting in the work and they don't deserve it because of us? Or when they come in and they come in at the 11th hour, at the last minute, do we show them grace that they deserve? Do we show them that kindness that they deserve? That we show them that you are just as much a part of the kingdom as we are. Are we walking with them? Are we growing with them? Are we celebrating with them? Are we celebrating their, their freedom from sin? Are we becoming more than we are together? See, Jesus is telling his disciples that we, that we better have a clear understanding of God's character. God is good. God is just. And God is generous with His grace. He's generous. He's more than fair. He's generous. Right? And sometimes, those of you that came in here early, and you've worked, maybe you're a little tired. Maybe you're not as on fire as you should be. And these people that come in here, and they are a little more fresh, it revitalizes you as well. It makes you push just a little bit harder. It makes you do just a little bit more. I see this in coaching all the time. If I have a, I have a kid that he's, not, he's taking breaks, he's not putting in what he's supposed to be putting in. And that hurts the entire team. So I, I pull him out and I put someone in that's, that's fresh. They might not be as good, but they stand out just a little bit more because they're fresh and they're trying harder. 
right? And then that, that player sees that, okay, I'm not, I'm not doing my part. And then he's ready to go back in and put in 100% again. Hopefully that's the, the effect that we're having. God is good, God is just, and God is generous with His grace. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. It's not about how many ribbons you have. It's not about how many Sunday school classes you've taught. It's not about your church resume. It's not about how many people you've led to Christ when someone else has only led one person to Christ. It's not about what we have done. It's not about our works. It's what He has done. So none of us can boast about it. So if we can't boast about it, we cannot be jealous about it. Hard for our little minds to comprehend that life's not fair and that God's grace sometimes isn't fair. But it is. It's more than fair. Because if we truly get what we deserve, if we truly want a fair life, we're, we're separated. We're apart from Him. That's what we deserve. That's what everyone in here deserves. Whether you started out like little Mikey or you come in at the 11th hour, none of us are good enough. None of us have done enough to earn our way into heaven. It's a free gift. So we're all called from that marketplace to serve God and to serve in His vineyard and to roll up our sleeves and do the work He's called us to do. Whether He calls us at 6 in the morning and we've worked really hard all day or He calls us at noon or if He calls us at 5 o'clock, put in the work. Reap the harvest. But see, He doesn't, even, he doesn't just want us to work for Him. He doesn't want us just to be laborers in His vineyard. He calls us friend. So He wants to have a relationship with us. So that's much deeper than just being a laborer for God. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be personal with you. See, so there's a, going to be a harvest. And we need to roll up our sleeves when we get to work. No matter when you're hired, get on the truck, get in the vineyard, and roll up your sleeves and work. Grace is a gift. It cannot be earned. It's not a reward for the good things we've done. We can't be working for one denarius or 400 denariuses. Is denariuses a word? I don't know. Denarii? I don't know. But we cannot boast about it. It's not for us to boast about. The thief on the cross didn't have anything to boast about. Yet he was called to be in paradise. John the Baptist didn't boast about anything and his, he was beheaded. He is in paradise. We cannot boast about it. Gift of grace. And in closing, the worship team would come up and get ready. I came across a story and I told first service that I'm going to confess I was uh, in planning in school the other day and uh, this was just laid on my heart so I, I found this on the interwebs and I about lost it. My next class came in and I'm like all teary-eyed and like, what's wrong with Mr. I'm like, oh, some contacts messed up, right? But this really touched my life and this really put in this entire parable together. It ties it in. 
And this is a story from a book called Finding Freedom Through the Intoxicating Joy of Irresistible Grace. And see, I, I'm a, well, I guess what you call a Disney dad. I, I, we love going to Disney World. We love taking Carson to Disney World. And we've, we've been a few times. And uh, I guess we're gluttons for punishment. But this really hit home with me. It really resonated with me because I, I really could put myself here. This is from a pastor. He says, I never dreamed that taking a child to Disney World could be so difficult or that such a trip could teach me so much about God's generous and outrageous grace. Our middle daughter had been previously adopted by another family. I'm sure this couple had the best of intentions, but they never quite really integrated the adopted child into their family of biological children. After a couple of rough years, they dissolved the adoption, and we ended up welcoming an eight-year-old girl into her home. For one reason or another, whenever our daughter's previous family vacationed at Disney World, they took their biological children, but they left their adopted daughter with a family friend. Usually, at least in the child's mind, this happened because she did something wrong that precluded her presence on the trip. And so by the time that we adopted our daughter, she had seen so many pictures of Disney World and heard so many things about the rides and the characters and the parades. But when it came time to passing through the gates of the Magic Kingdom, she had always been the one left out. Once I found out about this history, I made plans to take her to Disney World. The next time a speaking engagement took our family to the southeast. I thought I'd mastered the Disney World drill. I knew from previous experiences that the prospect of seeing cast members in freakishly oversized mouse and duck costumes somehow turns children into squirming bundles of emotional instability. What I didn't expect was the prospect of visiting this dream world would produce a stream of downright devilish behavior in our newest daughter. In the month leading up to our trip to the Magic Kingdom, she stole food when a simple request would have gained her a snack. She lied when it would have been easier to tell the truth. She whispered insults that were carefully crafted to hurt her older brothers and sisters as deeply as possible. And as the days on the calendar moved closer to the trip, her mutinies multiplied. A couple of days before our family headed to Florida, I pulled her daughter into my lap to talk through her latest escapade. I know what you're going to do, she said. You're not going to take me to Disney World, are you? The thought hadn't really crossed my mind, but her downward spiral suddenly started to make some sense. She knew she couldn't earn her way to the Magic Kingdom. She had tried and failed that test many times before. She was living in a way that placed her as far as possible from the most magical place on earth. In retrospect, I'm embarrassed to admit that in that moment, I was tempted to turn her fear into my own advantage. The easiest response would have been, if you don't start behaving better, you're right, we won't take you. But by God's grace, I didn't. Instead, I asked her, is this trip something we're doing as a family? She nodded, brown eyes wide and tear-rimmed. Are you a part of this family? She nodded again. Then you're going with us. Sure, there may be some consequences to help you remember what's right and what's wrong, but you're a part of our family. 
and we are not leaving you behind. I'd like to say that her behaviors grew better after that moment. They didn't. Her choices pretty much spiraled out of control at every hotel and rest stop on the way to Lake Buena Vista. Still, we headed to Disney World on the day we had promised. And it was a typical Disney day. Overpriced tickets, overpriced meals, and lots of lines mingled with just enough manufactured magic consider maybe going back again someday. In our hotel room that evening, a very different child emerged. She was exhausted, pensive, and a little weepy. But her month-long facade of rebellion faded. When bedtime rolled around, I prayed with her and told her and asked, so how was your first day at Disney World? She closed her eyes and snuggled down to her stuffed unicorn. After a few moments, she opened up her eyes ever so slightly. Daddy, she said, I finally got to go to Disney World. But it wasn't because I was good. It was because I'm yours. It wasn't because I was good. It's because I'm yours. So that's the message of outrageous grace. It's not a favor that you can achieve by being good. It's a gift that you received by being God's. Outrageous grace is God's goodness that comes looking for you when you have nothing but a fist held high in the air at Him. It's a farmer paying a full day's wage to a crew of deadbeat workers that had a single hour punched in her time card. It's a man marrying an abandoned woman and then refusing to forsake his covenant with her when she turns out to be a prostitute. It's the insanity of a shepherd who turns his back on the 99 to risk the life and to save the one. It's the love of a father who hands over his finest rings and robes to a young man who has squandered his inheritance on drunken binges with fair-weathered friends. It's one-way love that calls you into the kingdom, not because you've been good, not because you've earned it, not because you've worked long and hard enough. It's because you're His. He's chosen you to make you His own, and He's chasing you to the ends of the earth, and nothing that heaven or hell can stop Him from loving you and showing you His grace. Here's what's amazing about God's outrageous grace. This isn't merely what God the Father would do. It's what He did do. See, God could have chosen to save anyone. He could have chosen to save anyone or no one in the lineage of Adam's family. But what God did do was hang on a cross for a bunch of people that don't deserve it. It's not fair to Him. He didn't deserve it. It's a gift that He gives us. He didn't have to save us. God and Christ has declared over you, I have chosen you. I, can cho- I could have chosen anyone in this world, but I choose you. No matter what you say or do, no matter what you've done, no matter how much you think you've done or how little you think you've done to accomplish my love, it's a free gift for you. That's grace. That's what's truly amazing about it. Let's pray before we sing about God's amazing grace. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for these parables. We thank you for their teaching. We thank you for 
opening our eyes and opening our hearts to what you truly want us to feel and truly want us to live. Lord, there's work to be done. Lord, just give us the strength and the power to go to work. Whether we go in at 6 o'clock in the morning, whether you call us at noon, or whether you're calling someone in here at the 11th hour, that they've not gotten on the truck yet. They've not been in the field yet. Maybe it's because some of us that have been working already has kept, has kept them from it. Lord, forgive us for that. Forgive us for our jealousy. Because, God, you are not fair, but it's okay. It's okay because your reward is enough for everyone. Your grace is enough for the guy that comes in at 6 or the girl that comes in at 5 o'clock. Lord, thank you for your son. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your grace on the cross. Saving us when we don't deserve it. Saving us when we can't work for it. You sacrificed for us. For everyone. Lord, if there's someone in here today that does not know you, Lord, they've not gotten off the truck yet. They've not been in your vineyard Lord, let them today, the day that they roll up their sleeves and they go to work. Lord, let us reach those that we need to reach. Let us be the kind person that you want us to be. Let us be the ones that show grace to others, even when we don't think it's fair. Lord, we have to show that grace to others. Lord, we lift you up today. We thank you and we praise you for everything that we do. In your name we pray, amen.